Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Face to face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Okay, so uh, we, we are rolling. Welcome to Face to Face, and it is uh, actually this uh, this is going to be our first uh, first interview for 2014, believe it or not, our first posted interview, and we've got a special guest with us today, as uh, often they are. He's writer, he's a writer, a director, he's award-winning filmmaker. His uh, films have uh, appeared all, all over the world at film festivals, on TV screens globally. <laughs> he's, um, as I said, he's an award-winning filmmaker, and uh, he's got a new film coming out in the next couple of days, February 6th, called Art Machine. Uh, you're going to be able to find it on iTunes. We're going to have all that information uh, for you, and there's going to be some selected screenings happening in LA and New York. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Doug Carr. Thanks so much for having me, David. It's yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Doug. I am really looking forward to this interview. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna touch on a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of material, uh, including your filmmaking. So, so. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. So, so tell me, um, tell me a little bit about about Art Machine. I think we should probably uh, start start with that. I know it was a uh, you guys raised some money through Kickstarter, and I'd I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. And I bet a lot of the uh, the listeners uh, would too, especially some of the budding young filmmakers. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, well, um, Art Machine is a, an independent film that uh, that we we did initially raise um, the seed capital from uh, from a Kickstarter campaign. We we raised a little over twenty five thousand dollars on there, and uh, that also kind of opened up the possibilities um, in terms of more funding. Um, we already had some investors lined up before that, but we met some new ones and, and got some uh, some exciting people involved through the uh, through their kind of not gaining knowledge of the film through that. So it uh, it did indeed help us to, to raise the, the full budget, which was quite a bit more than, so it wasn't, than that initial. So it, was, it wasn't just about the actual cash in hand this was about connections as well and relationships that were yeah exactly yeah it was a real aware awareness raiser and and uh, and it kind of you know it's like anything in life you tell people you're doing something and you tell them when you're doing it and suddenly people start to respond but before that point no one really takes you all that seriously so every time i've made a film it's always been this thing of like all right we're going to set this impossible deadline and then we're going to meet it and uh, you know people start getting excited about it and and lo and behold the the snowball runs downhill and, and suddenly you've got a massive uh, endeavor that's that's going <laughs> right and you're wondering <laughs> why you ever got started in the first place <laughs> yeah 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 and that you wonder for years <laughs> <laughs> so so when you were so, so this is i mean you've got quite a few films uh, in your back pocket what maybe 10 8 8 Eight, nine. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah between yeah. all the documentaries and, and short films and, and TV stuff. With great then, names, yeah. by the way. Straight Jack and Audrey, <laughs> Anniversary Present, 10 for Grandpa, uh, uh, Art Machine, all great names. Um, Thank you. When you were, I don't know if you actually typed in the info for the Kickstarter campaign and hit submit, did um, did you or your team or your partners, did you did you think you were going to raise the 25 grand? Um, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. It, it was always one of those things of like, we because with Kickstarter you don't get the money if you don't raise it all. Right. So yeah. we basically just decided we had to um, by hook or by crook. So we, you know, we got everyone involved and and uh, had a great team kind of running the campaign and and really pushed and and uh, and people got pretty excited about it. This is my first feature, um, and uh, it's you know it's a story that I think. Um, people can can really kind of get behind it. It's the story of a a child prodigy painter who, when the film begins, he's he's six years old and he's slaying it and his he's just everything he sells is is turning to gold. But the film actually gets going when he's seventeen and uh, and it, and he's sort of like staring down the barrel of of having to be a an known quantity as an artist in in the adult world and and uh everything starts to fall apart and he really has to kind of figure out who he wants to be while dealing with a bipolar disorder and and all kinds of of elements and and gets in with a a crowd of of outsider artists in Bushwick Brooklyn and and starts to kind of like turn a completely new and out there direction so Sounds sounds kind of like um, you've just described the life of Miley Cyrus. I think I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some uh, there's some parallels to, <laughs> yes. to, to some uh, some people right around that age, and and also people from my life who've who've dealt with uh, you know different chemical imbalances mm-hmm. and and uh, brushes with with success at young ages that have kind of shifted their whole way of being, and so yeah. 
Um, speaking of chemical imbalances, I mean, just, you know, who knows what the full story is, but the whole Philip Seymour Hoffman thing, I mean, is, compl- you know, pretty, pretty tragic story. I mean, in, in light of, yeah. yeah, in light of what's happened there is, is, is the film a little, uh, is it timely? I mean, you know, I think like, I, you know, people who have incredible creative, um, abilities often have, uh, all kinds of other things going on that that can be um both incredibly helpful to them as human beings and also incredibly devastating and uh, i think philip seymour hoffman it's pretty clear was uh, a genius um what wasn't so clear was that the sort of like demons he was wrestling with were were you know probably wrapped up in that in some in some ways um it's yeah it's, it's a complete tragedy every time i think about it it makes me just so sad to think of you know what an amazing mm-hmm. person he was and and the incredible you know performances that we won't get now from, yeah, yeah, from yeah. this amazing person but yeah right. i mean i think it does i think it does dovetail to some extent to to declan trust the 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 main character in this film just on the level that you know it's like dealing with with talent you know incredible talent is uh it's uh i think it's a tricky one on that level in terms of brain chemistry and and the way people relate to you and everything else his films um i mean i think you know you could go back and and what i know and i don't know his his whole filmography but i've certainly seen lots of his movies over the years and he always seemed to have there was always kind of you know at the risk of sounding like a moron (laughs) you know you know always always there yeah that's right um (laughs) It did seem like, though, that there was this broken kind of edge to a lot of the characters that he played and, and, and almost gut-wrenching yeah. in a sense. And, and I, I mean, I certainly uh, resonated with that kind of melancholic side to him or whatever you want to call it, that bipolar side or that, yeah. med- or that medicated side, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely, yeah, I gravitate towards a, uh, a, a kind of storytelling that he was, you know, excelled at. And, yes. Uh, and... It really, you know, when it's done well, it's incredibly exciting. And I think something that he did so well was that he really personalized people that uh, that you wouldn't really want to get too close with, and right. you know, going through the types of things that they're going through and the stories he told. And and I think that's one thing that's so amazing about the film medium and storytelling in general, which is that you know we all sort of like want to push away things that seem kind of uncomfortable and, and nasty and not what we want to be going through in our lives. But when you're watching something on screen and it's got that edge and it's really doing it well, it can be incredibly compelling. So so I want to talk about that a little bit, Doug. What do you, what do, you do um, with the person who says, and maybe you don't do anything with them, but yeah, you know, I just, I just, you know, and I don't want to be trite at this point, but I, oh, I just want to be entertained. You know, I really don't go to the movies to, to get depressed, or I don't go to the movies to. I don't want reality. You know, I I want a I want a Hunger Games kind of, uh, you know, uh, like approach or a bad grandpa like approach. You know, um, and, <laughs> sure. and, and and you know, it's interesting. Last night, I I was I was watching some TV with uh, with my wife Elizabeth, and it reminded me of an old Tim Robbins film. Got to be twenty five years old. Uh, Adrian Lin, I think. Jake, Jacob's Ladder. Oh, I love that. Film. I know. So I dug up a review by film. Roger Ebert. It's got to be I don't know twenty twenty five years old. And the last line was kind of something to the effect of, "I really didn't enjoy this film, but 
you still yeah. you still need to see it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. because and I and I want to ask because you someday you're going to be in the Bardo. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Well, so, no, it's true. I mean. Well, what do you what do you do with that? What do you do with that as an artist, as as a filmmaker, as somebody who's obviously trying to entertain people, probably, but also at the same time trying to speak to some issue or a question that you've raised. You know, uh, how do you answer that? Um, well, I mean, I, I guess you know the the sort of that's a a, a very pertinent question because the industry as a whole and i think you know just entertainment as a as a medium has progressively gone further and further in that direction where there um the celebrated aspects of it are pretty consistently becoming things that have uh, that emphasize the the entertainment value and are less about substance but on the flip side of that, um, which you know is something I try to remind myself of when I get really depressed thinking about that, <laughs> is you know Alfred Hitchcock pretty early on said that a, you know a piece of cinema needs to be like a piece of cake. Like you don't want to go to the cinema to eat badly boiled Brussels sprouts and uh, you know be shoving you know unseasoned mm. you know food down your down your throat it's uh so you know that's it's very true i mean my favorite filmmakers you know we were talking about philip seymour hoffman if you watch a pt anderson film you know to name one of my favorites there is nothing in that film yes you might be it might be like slightly slower it might you know have a a ploddingness to it but there's no frame in that film that doesn't belong there there's nothing in that film that isn't some in some way an incredible representation of the human experience Mm -hmm. and i think if you lose track of that then you're gonna have problems and you know i work as a commercial director as well as a uh, as a, a poor independent filmmaker <laughs> i um i i sort of play both sides you know right and right now i'm directing a series of, of commercials for for a bunch of different clothing companies and stuff like that and honestly those can be a great you know could be an amazing experience as well you know there's uh, all kinds of opportunities to to use craft and art in uh and create beautiful imagery and and even you know aspects of narrative within that but obviously like when you're making a film it needs to resonate and that's why you know character actors have started you know coming back to to Philip Seymour Hoffman again it's like character actors have have a place right. as stars now because they can resonate um they you know they're the the real people experiencing real things is a you know it's the reason why we sat around the campfire when we were cavemen it's the reason why right, right. cave paintings existed and that's never going to go away you know i've seen bad grandpa i've seen um the hunger games both of them and uh, yeah okay maybe they're you know certainly in the case of bad grandpa they're not going for you know cinematic high cinematic vision and and trying to uh trying to, you know, hit it out of the park and and uh, that that was not the best cinema, you know, movie going experience I've had. Um but it, there's really intelligent people working on those projects and there are aspects of those films. You know, take take, you know, Bad Grandpa. If that was the only film the aliens saw 
to represent our race. Oh, geez, like yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I want to. I want to talk. I want to talk to that alien who's going to be writing the review. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but that being said, there would be some insight into well, um, yeah, you know, true. yeah, true. Into pain and suffering and and uh, and delight and and misfortune and all kinds of aspects of, of the human and, condition. And, I mean, and it's poor like, grammar. Yeah. I'm reaching here. <laughs> you are reaching, Doug. <laughs> that's okay. But, but what, I, what I'm saying, you know, I think bad grandpa is really a tough one. But but you know, with the Hunger Games, the progression between the first one and the second one. It got better, got you know, it got more interesting, and and the commercial aspects were kind of you know not as important because it was already understood that it was going to be a huge success. So then they could like concentrate on storytelling. The storytelling is pretty decent, you know. And Philip Seymour Hoffman again was amazing in it. So yeah, yeah. There's well, like aspects, I, I, have, I haven't you know. seen I haven't seen either of them actually. Um, uh, yeah, not yet. Anyway. Um, I mean, but th- that you know, I actually think that's the that's the exception to the rule. There's there's a lot of crap out there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, most of it's on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, from what I've the little exploring I've done, Canadian Netflix oh. have an even worse sampling of the worst crap that's ever been made. <laughs> I, Doug, I have a better film collection than Netflix does. You know, that's, you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you uh, have a better film collection than Netflix Canada does with a couple of old VHS tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not to say I dislike Netflix because, they, you know, they've oh, got it's, tons it, of potential. Tons of potential. It's getting better. I've seen some of the best, yeah. doc, couple of the great documentaries in the last year, and, and, and it is yeah. it's getting better. And, it, and, it and their original, the original programming is amazing. I just watched a new film uh, the other night um, that was incredible. That was, that was an original piece of programming that they made. Why... So, um, yeah. So P.T. Anderson um, is one of your favorite filmmakers. I mean, I think I would probably have to agree with that. Uh, You know, he's a pretty thoughtful, reflective, methodical guy, it seems to me. I don't know him at all, but I've seen his movies and listened to him interviewed a couple of times. I mean, is that the kind of director you want to be? Is that why you got into filmmaking? You know, you saw Taxi Driver, uh, you know, at 14 and it, it totally changed your life? I mean... You know, do you really, you know, you're reaching with Bad Grandpa, but are you reaching with Art Machine? Are you reaching with, you know, as as a group of artists, are you reaching with film in general? You know, are you just preaching to the converted? There's about 14 questions there, Doug. <laughs> well, I'll start with the, what I think was the first one. <laughs> That's the, right. um, the <laughs> when, I was, uh, when I was nine years old, um, my parents took me, I, I, I was born in Paris and lived there for the first nine years of my life, and... Uh, Right before we left, they took me to a reissue of of David Lean's Lawrence of Arabia, mm. and that was the first time that I remember sitting in a movie theater and realizing that a group of people made this. Right. That there was something that were, there was something so incredible and mind blowing about it. It was like you know going to see a, a symphony. It was just something just so penetrating mm-hmm. about the way that film was made and seeing it in in 70 millimeter and it, it's you know it just huge highly highly affected my my whole world I, I remember from that moment on it was clear to me that that's what I wanted to do I wanted to you know be involved in creating that kind of image and sound combination that would have 
an emotional impact on the audience that that did to me. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of filmmakers I love. Um, you know, Spike Lee, Terry Gilliam, um, Jim Jarmusch. You know, the list goes on and on. Um, and uh, even you know some more commercial filmmakers. Steven Spielberg's made a few films that are my favorites. Um, but in in general, I would I sort of I would say I lean towards um, filmmakers whose emphasis is on combining incredible storytelling with amazing performances for films that really have some ability to change people's way of looking at something. So, um, would, so would that and, fall into would that fall into the definition of Hitchcock, Hitch, Hitchcock's notion of a piece of cake, or, or would you be would you be maybe a piece of cake without ice cream? No, I would I would say that my films um, the cake comes from the uh, the incredible richness of what's there to begin with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then, and then the icing for me is, it's, you know, there's something that uh, in the commercial world we talk about as, as packaging, which is um, you package visual imagery um, with motion graphics and, and, you know, incredible tool kit that we have to, to spice things up. Um, and it's also all about the way that you film things and, and where you put the camera and how it's moving and, and how you're telling the story intelligently through the visual, through the visual medium. Um, and the more emphasis there can be on that, the more exciting a film, I think, can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's anything from, from laying 100 feet of dolly track to create a, a, a seamless, incredible moment where you're following behind a character as, as something incredible is happening to, uh, you know, have, yesterday in Miami I had um, a, a girl on a trampoline that we were filming at 160 frames a second as she was jumping from a trampoline and then we we're going to make it look like she's landing in a swimming pool and then we've got an underwater camera there that catches her and all. So this wow. sort of like seamless dance yeah. of, you know, what often comes down to, to visual trickery. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But to uh, to create um, images that that are incredibly lasting and to, but always in service of the story so that they're, they are having an emotional impact. That's really, the, that's, that's what, that's what I, you know, that's why I wake up in the morning. Yeah. Yes, it's also because sometimes we get to blow cars up and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and things like that, but it's mainly for, for the former. Do I, speaking of blowing cars up, were you and I at one point chatting about some scene that you shot for a film that you did where you had to go late at night in some farmer's field and you turned on some headlights on a car and you were shooting with, with that kind of um, lighting and uh, you, were, you were in some farmer's field somewhere east of Toronto or something like that? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, and we were lighting, uh, lighting um, four-foot uh, cross across fire for that's right. <laughs> a background plate, um, yeah, out by the uh, out by the zoo in Toronto for a background plate for a scene um, in which the, my my actual grandfather in real life. Um, this is for the, a film I made called Time for Grandpa. Um, in real life, my grandfather did have an interview with some members of the New Jersey KKK, 
and uh, we were recreating that. So we decided that outside the window there should be some some KKK members with uh, in full regalia, and that they would have giant crosses, of course, burning because isn't that what they're always doing on a Tuesday afternoon That's or right. evening? And uh, so we, but we couldn't figure out where to burn giant crosses without being arrested. So we decided to to make some some little ones and <laughs> to go so figure out place. And That's of course, experience. why would you get a permit to go do something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got got a little bit of a documentary filmmaker edge to me, you know? Yeah, That's the way you get it done. You hide the camera in your jacket. You don't don't ask to take these pictures. You just take them. No, exactly. (laughs) Um, Doug, just uh, to let people know, is it, it, it's artmachine.com? Oh, is it, it's amachine.com. It's actually artmachinemovie.com will get you to uh, the website. Artmachinemovie.com will get you to the website. Yeah, but if you just search for Art Machine on iTunes, um, you'll see, as of February 6th, you'll see the download and uh, be able to watch it. Tell me... um Tell me a little bit more about the the intentionality of a filmmaker. You know, you talk about blowing cars up and burning crosses and these different things that sound so, uh, you know, you talked about visual trickery and it, they sound so almost contrived in a way and, and very calculated. Um, and I think they are. I mean, you look at a screenplay. Yeah. It's, it's written, right? I mean, you've got everything all these... is Everything is, uh, is, is con- highly contrived and calculated in prep. And then you get on set, and everything is completely uncontrolled and insane. And you, and it's this funny balance between trying to decide if what you started out that plan that you you came up with in advance is helping or hurting you as you try to corral the insanity on set. That's and great. it's it's an amazing thing because as prepared as you are you're always going to be tripping over your own preparation and if you didn't do it then you're really fucked so it's like this very difficult combo where you're you're trying to trying to find that line between the two yeah no i'm i'm sure it's kind of like it's almost kind of a, like a poet knowing the rules and and and, and breaking the rules Right. Exactly. And, and yeah, uh, I love the I love the phrase tripping over your preparation because I mean, you know, there's that old cliche about you know hard work is is uh, is really about the the prep, right? It's it's yes. all about your preparation so that you can actually do those things that you need to do, make those decisions on the fly that you need to to, to make. And it sounds to me like that's uh, kind of one of the main, many jobs of a director. Yeah, and the more I do it, the more I can sort of, um, I can fake it and I can get away with not doing the prep in terms of everyone else. Make, seeming, you know, feeling like I, I look prepared and I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing to, to get some imagery in the can. But I know. I know when I have my, when I'm standing on, on the edge of a cliff and, and suddenly I'm, I'm standing on air i can right. tell and right. it's a bad right. feeling and it it does happen occasionally you know you ne- you're never going to be able to have the kind of peripheral peripheral vision to see everything that's going to happen in an unknown future but the more you kind of understand what the gig is and how it's going to work in terms of like what it's going to be like on the day, what you're going to need an editorial, how the whole, and whatever your piece of the project you're trying to achieve that day is going to fit into the bigger picture. All of those things are serviced by understanding the material better. And working with great actors is, a, is an opportunity to 
dig into to material and go deeper with it. And that's one of the things I really love about filmmaking is working with incredible actors and taking material that, you know, if on the page it may read well, mm-hmm. but it's not some, like, sort of, it doesn't have the depth of feeling. Yep. Because yeah, screenplays are blueprints. So... Yeah, so that's a, that's an amazing aspect of the of the job is is kind of like finding where the sort of like stick figures turn into fully fleshed out incredible real human beings for that moment in time and then and then it goes away. It's always amazed me what what go, you know, I love your line about, you know, at 9 years old you realized a group of people made this. Um, you know, when you're talking about Lawrence of Arabia and it's always astounded me how many people are really involved in the filmmaking process and how if it's kind of like a golf shot, but way more complicated, how many things have to go into it in order to get the ball in the green. And, and, you know, you can have the writing, you can have the actors, you can have the director, et cetera, and it still might not work. And I wonder if there's, you know, um, you know, you just talked about being on a cliff in the air, that intuitive angle. I wonder if, you know, is, the, is that what makes a great director? The ability to say, it just doesn't feel right now. And I don't mean feel in an emotional sense. I mean from a gut level kind of tacit indwelling knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like this inner. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Doug. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's the, what that make, here, brings up for me is uh, when I, I'm on set a lot these days because, like I said, I'm doing a ton of different projects. And, uh, when I am on set, there'll be often it's around three in the afternoon, but it can happen anytime. <laughs> that suddenly everything on set turns into molasses and nothing is moving, and you're working on one specific thing that you're trying to achieve, and the entire crew has lost all of their energy. And that, that can happen 10 times a day right. <laughs> when it's going really badly, but usually it doesn't. Usually it happens once or twice. And those are the moments nowadays I can intuit that we're going in the wrong direction. Right. It's not just that we're, we need to push a little further and it'll all come together. It's like this collective energy that everybody kind of knows that whatever's happening right now, for whatever reason, needs to either be put aside for later or we just need to shift the way we're trying to achieve it. You know, the other day we had a camera on a raft that we were trying to shift in one direction. And I was like, you know what, let's just take that camera off that raft. We'll put it on a jib. We're going to do this completely backwards from what we've been trying to achieve for the last 45 minutes. And then magic happens. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's like I, back in, in the day, I would be like, we're going to get it. We right. can get it right. like this. Right. This was a great idea. This right. is so cool. This is going to be, you know, and then tripping, tripping over your preparation. To, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, it, yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think, I think there is that, that there is some experience stuff there that, you know, like anything in life, the more you do something, the more you're going to be prepared for variations on it. So you, um, it sounds to me we talked briefly before we hit the recorder rolling. You had a you had a film, a short film uh, on the bill at uh, TIFF this past uh, year, this past fall, I guess September twenty thirteen. I can't believe we're into twenty fourteen already. T- I'm not t- so t- fast, right? T- tiny dancer, and you were mentioning that you've you've been given some grant money to to pursue a full full script for it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that project? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, basically, I um, I made this film um, 
with uh, an incredible group of, of folks um, in Toronto um, and a, spearheaded by a producer named Glenn Wood, who's one of my favorite producers um, now. It was our first time working together, so that was that's always interesting. Um, but it was it went amazingly well, and uh, and yeah, the uh, the National Screen Institute um, has uh, has offered me um, basically I, I won a, a grant um, to turn the seven-minute film into a feature-length screenplay um, over this next year. So I'm, I'm currently in the writing of that. Uh, and that'll be, a that, that'll be a Canadian production? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I got to tell everybody this the little story. So there I was sitting with Elizabeth. We were about to, I think, see... Oh man, is it the Invisible Woman? Ray finds this new film about uh, Charles Dickens's wife, I think, and uh, you know it was quite an event. And boom, up comes I think it was the first movie that we'd been out to see at the festival. I saw about six or seven this year, and cool, you know, yeah, yeah. And your you, not your ad, but the I guess the the little trailer piece about I don't know the four short films that were appearing online for the festival. Up up came your film, and then your name. It was one of those great moments. I know that guy moments, you know, it was, it was <laughs> nice, awesome. Yeah. And we were with, we were with another couple. We go every year. Yeah. It was so great. So, Hey, congrats on that. That's, that's, uh, that's amazing. So. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's really exciting. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's one of the beauty, beauties of, uh, of being a Canadian that, uh, you can, you know, sort of like have support from, yeah, yeah. from people, the mo movie central who's, who's putting up the money. Um, and the National Screen Institute, it's like such a wonderful thing that, that uh, the way that, that, uh, that they're so supportive, all these people, you know, Bravo, Fact, um, supported the original short film, and, and throughout my career, I've, I've been so lucky to, to have, you know, the continued support of, of Canadian broadcasters and government money, and it's, uh, you know, I've well, been back and forth between the states uh, quite a lot these days and I'm I'm you know mostly in New York and and spend some time in Nova Scotia and Toronto but uh, the it's not like that in the states yeah. at all well I remember I mean you and I met on a small video project uh, that you were doing for me 10 or 12 years ago or whatever the heck it was right. I I remember you at the time the proposal writing the pitching you know, yeah. just for the, the stuff that you were involved in then I mean it's it's it, it's it's it, it's a lot harder than it looks it is. It is. It's definitely not free money, and and you know, it's it's the the people who are rewarded the money do an incredible amount of work to to you know spend it wisely for the most part, sure. and uh, and making you know some some really great films, and and I think that the thing that that uh, has started to change with as the global economies shifted and and the you know entertainment industry beginning with the music industry really starting to hurt is you know i think what people used to look at you know the socialist right. <laughs> countries that are giving artists money why that's crazy um now people are starting to understand that wait a sec like without that what we were talking about earlier that that uh, you know it's all about commerce and story storytelling has to be commerce driven that yeah that is the end game because yeah. uh, you know why you know it's sure there's always going to be people who who can sort of like afford to throw millions of dollars at their own stuff but that's a whole other level of yeah. you know indulgence yeah. that doesn't necessarily reap great rewards and, of artistic merit so <laughs> 
Yeah. I'm sure there's a few. I'm sure there's a few names you could toss in there into that conversation. <laughs> yeah, fill um, in the blank. Listen, we're, we probably have to wrap up in a couple minutes, but there's a, and there's a few things I, I want to ask you about about um, uh, your you know your frustration in the industry. You've talked a lot about the positive side and certainly about Canada. And but before I don't that, have any frustration. You don't have any frustrations. With the no. Yeah, you talked about molasses on this on the you know on the set. You know. Um, what 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 makes i mean you, you you know you've talked about getting out of the bed in the morning you sound like you're really you know you're pretty you're still pretty passionate about this Doug which i think is so cool like you've been doing this a long time you haven't been you haven't been uh cynicalized i just made that word up, you know and, and, and i think that's cool uh but i'm just wondering what what is it that gets you down about the industry is is it the that shift that we've gone back to the commercialization of of film and it's all about the the almighty dollar no, I mean, I, I, yes, that, that, that enters into it, certainly. But, I mean, I think the thing that I would point to there is that um, it's, there's so much being made. There's so much being made um, these days. And, and I think this is something that a lot of the, the sort of like senior elders in the film community are starting to point to more and more. Steven Spielberg and uh, George Lucas just did a thing about this. And, and uh you know that that when there's this much content being created, mm-hmm. um, especially on the sort of the serialized sh- short level, mm-hmm. um, there's an incredible amount of material being created um, with no production value, no real sort of interest in the sort of like cinematic ideals. Right. Um, that that stuff um, creates a lot of noise and. Some of it is incredible and deserves yeah. praise, and a lot of it's really distracting and just filling the the unbelievable amount of screens in our lives. And right. that, yeah. that that makes me sad because yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's it's difficult for a film that has some real merit, and I, I like to think that a film like Art Machine has real merit to um, sort of shout above the din because yeah. there's just so much being thrown well, at us and, as, and, as humans. Doug, isn't it a bit of asset liability going on? Because, I mean, that's in some ways going to drive the creative and entrepreneurial spirit, it seems to me. But at the same time, like you say, it's just going to create this, this, I don't know, garbage bin full of, 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 of content. It, it yeah, I mean, me. I think that's... The thing is, like, I think the, the people who are being smart about it you know, certainly on the commercial side, brands that I'm working with are starting to come around to the fact that if you just keep throwing garbage at people, they are going to tune it out. And I think that, you know, in the film industry, distributors are starting to get wise to that fact and uh, and have to because yes. Yes. there's so much out there you know i was having lunch the other day with with a friend at, at who works at sundance and he was telling me the numbers of of films 13,000 films that got that came in this year and it's just 13, insane like they in films at sundance yeah well no that that applied yeah that applied. Yeah. yeah that applied yeah yeah oh, so it's yeah. it's you know those numbers are, are you know and I think maybe nine nine million of those were shorts. I don't know, but it was you know it's an unbelievable amount of uh, of films. Wait, can it be million? 
It's got to be thousands. It's got to be thousands, I would think. Millions. <laughs> what did I say? Nine, you said I nine million, I think. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't quote me on I that. I won't quote you on that one. <laughs> Maybe chop that part out. <laughs> yeah, we'll chop that part out, yeah. So just, just before we wrap up, I, I, I wanted to talk, so sort of coming full circle, we started with talking about Kickstarter. We're talking a little bit about the, the, the state of the business. What have you guys been doing that's kind of creative and edgy with respect to Art Machine um, from a social media perspective? Yeah, well, you know, you know, it's that—that's the thing. I mean, these days, in order to to sort of yell louder than anyone else, you have to do something wild and out there. So, we just finished a uh, a two and a half minute, um, I guess you could call it a short film. It's a it's a piece of viral media that uh, is uh, takes a, a comedic look at uh, at a a famed street artist imminent capture um and you you learn something brand new about about an artist uh, that that we all know and and most of us i think really really love um and the sort of true nature of, of who they are so we, we spent uh a few days with with uh, a, a bunch of, of kids under 12 we had a dozen kids on set from, cool. from 15 months to to a, up to 12 years old and and uh we created this this pretty pretty out there news uh, segments that uh, that I'll, I'll I'll give you a link to when it's uh, cool when it's sounds done. great well we can we can stick that on the site for sure as well uh, listen we should probably wrap it up and and you know it's bec- I haven't figured out a tagline for my podcast yet Doug but I think I think it's, it's going to be something like there's more going on than meets the eye because every conversation I've had and I think I'm now close to about 50 podcasts um you just feel like you just started. You've barely scratched the surface, and I feel totally that way with you. There's so much more we could touch on, but listen, just tell us the la- just in the last minute here. Uh, it's it's artmachinemovie.com. Um, Sorry, I've forgotten already. Yeah, artmachinemovie.com. Okay. Art Machine Movies, one word. Film, and, is, uh, film and is coming out this Friday or Thursday. It's coming Thursday. It's coming out Thursday on iTunes VOD, um, and it's going to be uh, you know everywhere you can find it online uh it'll be there so yeah, it's going to be bigger than the microchip for art machine <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah. well listen that's great thanks thanks so much for joining us and maybe maybe we'll i mean i'm pretty sure we'll chat again uh uh live uh, or at least podcast live so uh we'll uh, we'll work we'll work something out for maybe uh maybe the next release for tiny dancer how's that sound That'd be great. It's so great to catch up, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on, and, and such a pleasure. Thanks, Doug.